Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast here at Indy Star at the World Headquarters downtown. I'm your host, Derek Schultz, Fox Sports 1260 afternoons here locally. But the star of the show, as always, is Greg Doyle, who is refreshed and uh, looking pretty sharp here with the fall attire heading into uh, the second. I, I want to say second half of the season, but I guess they had the early buy this year, so it's not really the second half. But I think a well-timed buy, just not only for the Colts, but I feel like it was nice to have a break for me. What about for you last week? Uh, for the Colts, for sure. Darius Leonard is back, and so that that they got a few players back. Gathers is back. Um, no, I'm not refreshed, honestly. No? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I, I've never come off a of vacation feeling as badly as I feel right now. I don't understand it. So we don't need to talk about that too much, but no, I'm not. I, I, I just don't lie to people, even on the radio, on podcasts. So no, I'm not feeling great, but... We will see. I think my problem, and we can get get off this, but I think my problem is I've had nothing to do. I've been so bored mm-hmm. that I'm going stir crazy. So I think maybe working will be really good for me. We'll see. I you hope. seem to be a, and I'm kind of like this too, I don't like getting out of my routine. I've, I've always been a bad vacationer because after about three days, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm used to get up at 6.30, walk the dog, you know, make breakfast. And, and I, I very much like having that be my daily boring routine. And it's hard for me. My, my wife could just go park on a beach for two weeks and read books and be fine. That would be impossible for me. Yeah, the, there's a phrase I use to describe um, when I get out of my routine. It feels like camping. And I use camping because uh, mm-hmm. back when I was married, you know, we'd take the kids with a couple families and we'd go camping. And it was it was weak camping. We were inside uh, cabins, sometimes without electricity and eventually with electricity. We weren't setting up tents. Some people were. We were not. But just sitting out there for two days felt like camp. It was Well, it was camping, mm-hmm. and it was miserable because I didn't have a dog to walk, and I didn't have a kid to get ready for school, and I didn't have stuff to do. I just was like hanging out. Yeah, <laughs> I don't hang out. Not even with my family, I don't hang out. So yeah, having all this free time is, is tough. So in fact, this morning, I was so happy because the, the China thing happened with the NBA last week, and, and I really wanted to write about that, but mm-hmm. I was on vacation, so I didn't. But I really wanted to. And I thought, well, you can't write about it now. It's been a week. I wake up this morning and LeBron happened. Yeah. LeBron saying, you know, and, and I, LeBron saying Daryl Morey was misinformed. He was not talking about China. He was talking about, I mean, I've read the entire, I've read the entire transcript of what he said. He was very clearly saying Morey had no idea what effect that was going to have on the rest of us. And that's not a, I'm not, that's not a great thing to say either. But he wasn't saying China's not so bad, Maury's wrong. He wasn't saying that, but he was saying, hey, Daryl, you open your mouth and it makes it hard on us. But I'm just glad it gives me, gives me the excuse to write about these jokers that social justice matters to them so much unless it affects their pocketbook. And China affects their pocketbook in a big way, and they're not about to tick off China, and I'm disgusted by it, and now I have a fresh thing to write about. So anyway, point is, I woke up this morning 
not realizing realizing I was going to write, and I've been writing this morning, so so far so good. Can we get back to that, please? Because I, I really do want to talk about that eventually. I know that we got to kind of lead Colts and all of that, but um, I, I do want to talk about the NBA China and the LeBron comments, and, and we'll save time for that later on in the pod today. We need to save time for the guns coming out of your short sleeve shirt oh, too. Sorry, <clears throat> can we save time for that too? Yeah, we could do that. I mean, my word. But we'll move on. But and we're in a small booth. I don't mean to make it uncomfortable. But holy cow, Derek, those are pipes. Thanks. Yeah. No, I. I don't know. Uh, it was a good summer. It was a good summer. <laughs> the beach is that away? He says. <laughs> so uh, we've been off for two weeks. Sorry, I'm I'm all flushed now. Thank you for the compliment. We've been off for two weeks, and I, I actually think it's better, Greg, because y- you know this from being around the NFL for as many years as you, as you've been. Um, we're so knee jerk, right? And it feels actually good that the Colts have that performance against Kansas City and then Kansas City plays another game and we see some other games. And I, I think we can more maybe properly add context to to the discussion. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think that Houston's performance against Kansas City takes away from what the Colts did at all. But I'm looking around the rest of the AFC right now, and I don't know about you, but to me, when you get past New England, you could talk me into any number of teams being quote-unquote contenders. I I just don't think the bar is very high to be a good team in this year's AFC. No, no question about it. Um, Now, KC lost to Houston in part. Mahomes, I don't think he's right. I think, I mean, Kamoko Ture, before he went out, he hurt him. I mean, not being dirty, but he sacked him and twisted his ankle, and and then Mahomes tweaked it later in that game, and there's a, I think that's why that game went the way it did, because the Colts pressured him and hurt him. Um, Again, not dirty, Uh, but anyway, so I I do think that when Mahomes gets up back, gets that ankle back, I think KC is still the second-best team in the league. I don't think the Colts saw that team in the second half. I know they didn't, and the Texans didn't. Having said all of that, I don't want to be too, I'm not down on the Colts at all. Like you say, having a, another week off and just we can see what's going on around the league, I think the Colts are maybe better than we think. Mm-hmm. They're 3-2, and two, and I think you know they, they really should be 4-1 and one because of that ambitory game, and bless his heart, but that happened. So the the outlier is Oakland, and I don't know what I don't know what to say about that. But I think they are. I mean, they're a playoff team. I think they're they are a playoff team. And this game Sunday, am I right in saying? I mean, this is the biggest game all season, considering it's at home. I, I think I'd be hard pressed to believe there will be a bigger game that the Colts play this season than this upcoming one. Yeah, you know the and I, and I know you know this, but like if week fifteen or sixteen rolls around and and that's a must win game or they're out of the playoffs, that'll be bigger. I mean, sure. I know yeah, you get that, yeah, yeah, yeah. but but in a vacuum, yes, this game being here, you've got to win this game here. Because you have to assume that it's going to be tough to win there, mm-hmm. but you can't let Houston sweep you. You can't let them sweep you, and you don't give up the game in Houston. You don't because they beat them last year in the playoffs. But still, you you've got to win this one. And so whoever wins this game has control of the South. I mean, whoever has. So obviously, yeah, it's it's you know the Casey game was was a beautiful game to win, but this is on paper far and away the biggest one they're going to play. Is it a two team race? Sure, looks that way, doesn't can, it? Can we say that now? I mean. Tennessee may be making a quarterback change. Right. And, and and let's face it, Jacksonville's a cute story, but what really is the ceiling for Jacksonville? Seven and nine? They are a cute they are a cute story, yes. And and Minshew might be might be legit. He also might be a guy that you know, he, he might be um who's that player for the uh, the Nets uh the, had the mania, the basketball player had the mania. Jeremy Lin? Yes. <laughs> he, he, you know, he's just a really interesting story, and we really like his backstory and, he, and all that stuff, and yet the league's going to figure him out. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But, but yeah, Jacksonville and Tennessee are both you, – you can't believe they're going to go more than seven or nine, six. You just can't believe it. So, yeah, it's a two-team race for sure. Um, and it comes down to health, really. If J.J. Watt stays healthy, that'll be tough. If, if Deshaun Watson stays healthy, that'll be tough. If Darius Leonard 
or T.Y. Hilton, these guys who've been banged up a little bit, get banged up again, that'll be tough too. But if everybody stays healthy, it's a two-team race, and I don't I don't discount the Colts at all in that race. And with Leonard, uh, he had some, I think, interesting comments to a, a former colleague of yours about the, um, the how severe the concussion was and you know, talking about having a child now in the family, and some people took that as, wait a minute, was he talking about retirement? And he bucked against that on Twitter saying, no, retirement never, I want to play 15 years and all of that. But um, just kind of shows you, it was more than just Darius Leonard was dinged up with this concussion thing. I mean, this looked like a, a real serious thing that kept him out a month. Yeah, and I wonder if what scares him as much as anything, I mean, I mean, look, if he'd been knocked out cold, that'd have been terrifying too, mm-hmm. but but we don't even really know when the play happened. I mean, I'm sure maybe someone's gone back and found it, but I mean, he wasn't. He didn't leave the game with a head issue. It was. It came up later. He says it was a Derrick Henry play. That's what he says. But you're right that he played. He finished the game, right? And and thought, oh, maybe I'm just. It's just the heat or whatever, right? So you you if you're Darius Leonard, you can't say, well, that was that was a once in a four or five year just shot to the head that mm-hmm. you know won't happen again. And I'll be okay. That it was. I mean, Derrick Henry's a big dude, but still, that was a. A, 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 it was so normal looking that we don't even know what play it was, and yet it had him out for a month. So yeah, we're seeing more and more. These guys have so much more awareness now, and and so much more um, really common sense. It used to be football players were all about I'm going to play until you drag me off this field, but now they realize, and also they have the money they can afford to realize that there's a long long life to live after this, and I don't need to risk everything for a few more million when I've already got a few million in the bank. Yeah, it's okay to be selfish when it comes to your health and your future. And I think fans have even come around to that. It used to be, you know, team, 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 go out there, sacrifice, fight, fight, fight. I'm not saying these guys don't sacrifice. They do. Um, but being more self-aware of, of what's going on, I, I think, is a good thing. But defensively, you know, with Leonard coming back, we'll see what happens with Malik Hooker. And hopefully we'll get an update soon from Frank Reich. Um, Gathers being back as well. Uh, I'm interested to see what they do for an encore of that defensive performance because you and I talked about it on my show when we last had you on last week. That really was, Greg, I've been following or somewhat covering the Colts in in some capacity for like 15 years. That was the best team-wide defensive performance I have ever seen from them. Say what you want about Mahomes and the ankle and all of that. They were just so dominant for four straight quarters against Kansas City. I was floored. Well, yeah, and, and KC, their their Pro Bowl guy was diminished, but he was on the field. But the Colts Pro Bowl guy, all pro guy, was out of the game, Darius Leonard. They did mm-hmm. that without Darius. So yeah. really, really interesting to see how they look this week. And, and, you know, Darius is one of those rare guys, and Frank Reich mentioned that a couple of days ago, that, that you need somebody kind of special like Darius to try to keep Deshaun Watson in check because the guy's so mobile and can do so much with the ball outside the pocket that you better have a linebacker like Leonard with that kind of range and speed and, and instincts and smarts that you can maybe counter that guy because otherwise Sean Watson will just carve you up with his feet. And we finally seem to have a worthy quarterback counterpart in the division. We've been waiting here in Indianapolis for years and years as as the Colts have had Manning and Luck, and now into Brissett we'll, we'll still see the jury still out there, but – you know, think about all the guys that Jacksonville has gone through, Byron Lefwich and David Garrard and then uh, what Blaine Gabbert and Blake Bortles and who Tennessee has gone through. Really, McNair was the last one that was a good one. Um, this is not going to be a popular Colts fan standpoint because you'd rather have these teams have quarterbacks who suck forever. But I'm actually excited about seeing Deshaun Watson for two times a year. I, I love the challenge of it and – I think he's going to be special. I think he's already a special player, especially with the way quarterback play has been in the league this year. You don't want to have a division that's a joke. Um, I mm-hmm. mean, yeah, it's nice if the Colts go 12-4 and four every year, 
but you don't want a division that's a joke. I, I mean, I don't think anybody wants like a mental asterisk around the, around the league. Well, somebody had to win the AFC South. It, it's nice they actually have to get ready for the playoffs by beating some decent teams, by beating a decent quarterback, and knowing you can do it in the playoffs. And as a guy that goes to these games, I, I mean, I like watching Patrick Mahomes. I like watching yeah. Deshaun Watson. I, I don't like watching Marcus Mariota. I don't like watching him. He's not fun. And he, he's easy to beat for the Colts because they haven't lost to him yet. But I don't want to watch these guys. And I'm, I can't imagine Colts fans – well, maybe they do. If it's all if it's all about the W, maybe you do. But my gosh, I don't want to. I mean, it's terrible football. Why do you want to watch that? Yeah, I'd rather eat glass than watch the Titans play. Period. Regardless of of Mariota, I mean, they are just they are the most bland, uninteresting team in the NFL, and it's, it feels like it's been that way for five or six years now. Um, when you look at the Colts' blueprint, and we've used that word ad nauseum here, especially coming off the Kansas City name game, the blueprint, the blueprint, the blueprint. But this type of football, and you kind of wrote about this, you know, being really physical on defense, ball control run. Look, I get that they're not going to run for 200-something yards every single game. That was the game plan. That's what it called for. 19 points on the road usually is going to get you beat, but it was good enough to win. Is that sustainable here moving forward? Can, can we see – this be this performance at Arrowhead be built upon into the new identity of the Colts. The Colts offensive, yeah, because the Colts offensive line um, continuity and they've been together for I don't know how many games in a row. It's a, it's a crazy number mm-hmm. in today's NFL. Marlon Mack has worked on his body and built his body to the point that he can handle the carries he's getting. He's on track for three hundred carries, if not more. But he's a special running back. You know, he's not just a running back. The NFL has a lot of guys that are just running backs. Austin Eakler and guys like that, they, they get the ball and they get a few yards because that's what they do. But no, Marlon Mack's special. So, yeah, this is absolutely sustainable because they got the blockers, they got the running back, and they have a quarterback who doesn't give the ball away. Mm-hmm. So, if you're not giving the ball away and you're not killing yourself with penalties, and the Colts do neither of those, you've got a chance always. I love this tweet from your guy, Jim Aiello, uh, and this is from earlier this morning. You mentioned the streak of this offensive line playing together. I think it's in the 20s now, but back in their, their last meeting in Indy in week four, the starting tackles in that game for the Colts, Greg, Denzel Good and LaRaven Clark. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and the guards weren't – there was no Quentin Nelson to be found either. No. Costanzo returned in week six, and then since then they've combined to play this this current line. So Smith, Nelson, Costanzo, Kelly. Um, Glowinski. Yeah, Glowinski. Those five have played 2,478 of 2,494 offensive snaps, 99.3%. So, Jim, if you're listening, thank you for that stat. I'm just going <laughs> to completely rip it off. Yeah, that doesn't happen in today's NFL. It just doesn't happen, mm-hmm. and, and it won't happen forever. You know, just, I mean, guys do get dinged up. It's, they're on an amazing run right now. But the way Reich wants to win is he wants to, and the way he has to with, with Jacoby at quarterback and not luck, is he has to win running the ball more than most teams do. And he's always wanted to do that. He got here. He was here saying that last year when Luck was playing. I want to run the football. You you have to run to win. You don't just you know Star Wars numbers aren't alone aren't going to get it done. So this is what he wants to have, and he's got it. And he's got running backs, including T. Y. Hilton, that are buying into blocking downfield. That's to me one of the most shocking things about the mm-hmm. about the years is how good they are at receiver blocking because that doesn't happen much in the league. Yeah, and the receivers overall, really, from a playmaking standpoint, have been kind of disappointed. It, it, disappointing this year. Then again, they've been banged up. So, you know, the jury's still out on Campbell and Kane, but you haven't really gotten a ton of – I think we talked about this on the last podcast. Zach Pascal might be their second-best receiver so far this season. Right now, he's clearly the mo- their second-most reliable guy, for sure, because he's yeah. on the field. The most important ability is availability, and he's got that. I wanted to get back to something that you touched on, not only there, but with us when, when you came on our show. Um, Jacoby Brissett and – 
there is a feeling from some fans that, hey, there, there's more growth there. There's more to come. But you seem to be under the inkling that maybe this is all there is for Brissett. Well, I mean, there's a little bit more growth. There, okay. there, I mean, he, but the ceiling is not Pro Bowl. I'll, I mean, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't see that. No, I agree with you. Yeah, I don't see that. Um, I mean, he's decent. He's as I think Ayello wrote a couple days ago, maybe it was yesterday, that he is a top twenty quarterback. I mean, the, the numbers say that Frank Reich said that a couple years ago when he was backing up Luck that we have a top twenty quarterback in 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 relief. And the numbers right now, he's you know top twenty in QBR and and Pashafinci or whatever the other one is quarterback rating. Um, so yeah, he's he's good. But I'm not seeing anything great. However, they haven't taken the wraps off yet, and maybe they don't trust him. Maybe they know something mm-hmm. we don't know. Maybe he can't have the wraps taken off. But they've not really let. He's averaging air yards per attempt. I think the third fewest air yards per attempt in the whole league. They're not letting. They're not asking no. him to do anything. And the only time they really did was the first half of the Atlanta game when the Falcons sold out on the run and Brissett picked them apart. And I thought he looked pretty impressive then. Sixteen in a row, I think. Yeah, and and you know, it's not that he doesn't have. A, a decent arm or some of the skills that we look for in a quarterback. It's just, I think they're trying to get him comfortable and all of that, but it's, it's hard to see at his age. He's still young in the sense that this is still new for Colts fans, but you know, Brissett's been in the league for a minute and I think he's 27. And if he hasn't shown something yet that he could be a really special player, there's really no reason to think that that's just going to click with him someday. Yeah. What they have is a guy they can win with. Mm-hmm. They, they certainly have a guy they can win with as long as the defense and the running game, the offensive line's all intact and healthy and good. If you surround him with good players, I mean, you can surround Blaine Gabbert with good players. He's not going to win. Mm-hmm. You know, you can surround Marcus Mariota with good players. He's not going to win. Jacoby, you surround him with good players. He's going to win. So they, they have that going for them. And the question is, do they want to going forward, continue with that formula just keep building around Jacoby because the hardest thing to do is find a great quarterback. They've got one who's good enough. So, do you do you take the easy way out, which is just continuing to build the, the pieces, or do you do you go for the hard route and try and get the superstar quarterback? And I can't see Ballard doing that. And it's still why I'm going to defend the extension that they made before the season because you've got time to figure that out. You know, if you want to do something this year in the draft, and we'll cross that bridge when we get there, Greg. But if you want to get a quarterback this year in the draft, you could do that and still keep Brissett around for another year, or you can you can fully evaluate him. I, I think the worst thing that the Colts could have done now in hindsight is just let Brissett play out this contract year and and not give yourself enough time to really kind of see where you are. Or maybe they just view him as a stopgap. I mean, I don't know. If you gave Chris Bauer truth serum, would he say that Jacoby Brissett is a franchise quarterback? I don't know the answer to that. No, but I think it'll come down to just opportunity. If, if there's if if the way the the draft works out and trades and whatever, if there's a guy sitting there they can get in the first round somehow, they love they'll get him. If there's somehow a free agent that that sends them signals through back channels that I want to come, maybe they'll get him. Uh, so I think it's I think it's probably more about opportunity than anything because Lord knows Jacoby they're showing he's proving he's good enough to get the job done. I don't think you go blowing that up unless you have a real strong yeah. inkling that you've got something better on, on plan B and and right now plan A is working. I mean 3 and 2 is not a whole season. We got they got to keep it going, but I haven't seen anything. I've not seen anything that says he's a pro bowl guy, but I've not seen anything that says he's going to hold him back. Yeah, and uh, winning football now, the bar's just not very high. Really if if you just go out and don't screw up as an NFL quarterback, you're going to be in good shape because quarterback play throughout the league right now is a train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, honestly, yeah. it is. You know, everybody's just kind of been terrible. So it's really hard. It's a lot easier to name the bad quarterbacks than it is to name the good quarterbacks, well, and you're not going to get very far on the good ones. And look how hard the draft is to get right. It doesn't seem like it ought to be that hard, but playing quarterback in the NFL, is, as people have said, it's it's just about the hardest thing to do in sports mm-hmm. at a high level. I mean, you look at the number one and two pick a couple years ago, Winston and Mariota are both, you know, in trouble. And then you had, yeah, Mahomes is great, but he was drafted behind – 
um, Trubisky and and Watson, I think, was the other one, right? Oh, was it Watson? Yeah, I think I think Watson went, if I'm not mistaken, like one pick ahead of Mahomes. Well, there's no shame in being picked behind Watson, mm-hmm. but I, I thought there was somebody even lesser than Trubisky. But anyway, Trubisky went second or third overall, and these guys went much deeper. So it just it's a hard thing to get right. It just is. You got a problem with the NFL officiating? That's been kind of a topic de jour around the league, especially. I don't know how much if if you watched at all the Packers Lions yeah. game last night. But I saw it. A little bit of a a mess there at the end, um, not knowing what illegal hands to the face really is yeah i this probably won't be very popular but the second one i, I hate that it happened again to mm-hmm. the same guy and i'm, I'm sure the flag was thrown by the same guy after getting it wrong the first time maybe he never knew he got it wrong the first time that happens i mean in, in the blink of an eye in the moment with all the mayhem going around that hand was right there by the head i mean right next to it You're right and the head was going back like a papa shot head or whatever you, uh, rock, I'm talking rock robots. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that looked like it. Now, and, and the replay made it clear it wasn't, okay? But in real time, that looked like it. To do it again, same guy threw the flag and the same guy, that's a problem. That mm-hmm. is a problem. Um, but Dan Orlovsky was saying this morning on ESPN that, that the owners have to fix this right now. And the only thing I can think he means is by having instant replay being allowed for, you know, blatant, because you can't make these guys better. And I don't think the problem has been necessarily they're not good enough. Um, I think the problem is that just in real time, it's just hard to see everything. I got a little bit more compassion for these guys getting it wrong than I guess most people do. Yeah, it's a very, very difficult job. But these high leverage situations, I mean, those were two separate scoring drives for the Packers. And they got the, the first half touchdown wrong for the Lions. I, I didn't think that he was in the end zone for that first touchdown of the game either. Um, but the two Packers calls were both, if, if memory serves, on third and long and the resulting drive, the first illegal hands in the face was a touchdown, and then, of course, the second one was the game-winning field goal. Oh, yeah. Um, so th- they were just two critical calls. Um, I think it's fine to occasionally blow calls. You know that's going to happen. But I, I think something else that-, that hurts them this year, Greg, is this whole farce of um, PI review, which clearly oh. they're not e- – e- there are only two answers to why it's going the way that it is. A, the officials are colluding to not overturn their calls because they're – PO'd about it, or B, the league is telling them, look, don't overturn these calls. We're just doing this to throw everybody a bone. I mean, it, it's either one or the other. I, I'd like to see what the numbers are as percentages of how many of these are getting overturned because mm-hmm. it's got to be, that's got to be the if you if you took all the plays that are getting, over, that are getting reviewed, PIs have to have the lowest overturn conversion. Have to be. I mean, because yeah. I, I don't know if I've seen one yet. I'm sure one's happened somewhere, but I haven't seen it yet. There have been like five or six. I, I think it's like 10% or something. Yeah, I, I think. seems high to me. Well, yeah, I, I didn't think it was that high, but of course we just like you notice the, the the traffic lights that are red. You don't notice the traffic lights that are green. So we don't notice when they get it right. We notice when they get it wrong. That's how the world is. But I will say that that they must have put that rule in basically and made it clear to everybody. The collusion thing's interesting. Maybe the referees are PO'd. I don't know. But the fact that there have been five or six turned over means there's no collusion to me. Uh, it means it's there. But what I think their, their directive has been. You know, let's not go crazy on changing these calls, but we can't let what happened in the AFC Championship, or NFC Championship game. Yeah. If a play is that bad, overturn it. If there's gray area at all, leave it alone. And some of these calls haven't really been that gray, but they're leaving them alone. Frank Reich has said he challenges calls now just to find out what the heck they're going to do. Yeah, because he has no idea. I just think the problem is is that there are things on review that are clearly there was a play in I think the Giants Patriots game that was clearly defensive pass interference but they've made the bar so high in order to overturn that they're just coming back and saying no it's not defensive pass interference or the the Hilton play 
that's not that could have been a huge play. The offensive pass interference, the pick play. Do you remember? Oh late? yeah. You know that game feels like it was three months ago now, doesn't it? But that that game that play late that was a third down play that turned a first down conversion into a third and thirteen, and luckily the Colts were still able to convert. But that's it. It's not offensive pass interference. It just wasn't, and they still upheld it anyway. And I think that that's been further frustrating for fans and all of that. Um, I do want to get to the LeBron NBA China stuff, but just real quick, college football thoughts. Um, Indiana blows up Rucker, which, you know, whatever, it's Rucker, right? They're terrible. You say Rucker um, singular. Yeah. Why, why they is that? They haven't earned the S from what? playing in the Big Ten. They're, they're just not good enough of a program, men's basketball or football-wise, to once they show that they're not the worst program in the conference, then I'll give them back the S. What is the – I mean, if, if their last letter was a W, which the, the it, real, I get it, but an S? The real joke is there is an, an IU fan site called Crimson Corey, and they started calling them – you know, they've been historically bad the past couple of years. Right. They started calling them Rucker, and oh. I thought I thought it was funny, so then I started calling them Rucker, too. It is cute. And it's become kind of a – a thing. Okay. I like, I like taking. I think that whole situation, Greg, and I grew up out there, so I can speak to this. I get it. New York market, right? You want to you want to put Big Ten Network in New York City, and you want to put more millions of dollars in your pockets if you're Delaney and the rest of the crew. Um, no one out there cares about Rutgers sports. No one out there really cares about college sports as much in general. I mean, the Northeast is a pro area. We keep trying to make New York City a thing like send college game day there, and I think it's the one pocket of the country that really they're not tuning in to watch Alabama-Georgia like the rest of us are. Yeah, but the Big Ten gave, gave them the Big Ten tournament a couple years oh, yeah. ago, and it still ticks me off. I still can't believe that. Like, just because of Rutgers? You're going to give it to them because of Rutgers? For that, the only thing that makes sense to me about that is that you've got so many Wisconsin, IU, Michigan – I mean, it's New York City, right? It's huge. There are a lot of people that aren't from there that are there that that got now the opportunity to see their their teams. But I would keep it in Indianapolis and Chicago. I think D.C. was the really mis- the big mistake. You could have it at the Garden because it's the Garden and get away with it. But um, D.C. Did you go to the games in D.C. from three or four uh, years ago? Or I whatever? did not. No. Okay. There were like thirty people there. Yeah, it was a disaster. I mean, yeah. Madison Square Garden did do better. Um, yeah, Rutgers. Stevie Scott. Rutgers football is so bad that Stevie Scott was a, a mid-level recruit. He wasn't certainly wasn't a future pro seen that way. He's from New Jersey. He didn't go to Rutgers, mm-hmm. and but he didn't go to a football factory. He went to IU. Yeah, you know, and he went to a basketball school, as they say. Rutgers can't get anybody. They're never going to be anything. I mean, I just don't know. I mean, if, if they luck into the next Steve Spurrier, and that's how it always happens. I mean, you uh, Duke only got good because they got lucky and got Spurrier. You know, in '87, whatever that was. Rutgers will have to get lucky and get the next guy, and he'll leave in three years, but get the next guy. And apparently the guy that's fired wasn't that next guy. But IU is, um, I believe they're four and two. If you look at, you know, just like we kind of with the Colts, we can look at with hindsight and we can look back. If you look back at who IU's beaten, they've beaten the crap out of, and they and good for them. I'm not sure in the past they would have beaten the crap out of UConn and, and Rutgers. They've beaten the crap, but everybody beats Rutgers, everybody. Mm-hmm. And UConn just everybody lost Everybody beats UConn. 42-7 to oh, Tulane. They're terrible. Terrible. That program's a disaster, too. They beat the crap out of Eastern Illinois. Okay, good. They didn't beat the crap out of Ball State. Um, and then they've lost badly to Ohio State, which doesn't look so bad because Ohio State's great. But they lost to Michigan State in a game that now looks not – I mean, it was close, but Michigan State just got blanked 38 nothing by Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So I think IU hasn't – they're 4-2, and two and it looks good. I mean, they're going to get to a bowl game. I'm almost sure of it. But they haven't – People need to pump their brakes. And I mean IU fans, I don't mean this in a mean way. I mean cushion yourself for the blow that might be coming. I think they're going to win seven. I do. But they haven't done anything yet. They haven't done any. They've taken candy from babies, 
and they've lost to who they should have lost to. <laughs> they haven't done anything yet. So You're right. I think winning, real quick, winning at Maryland, which is not good, but it's at least on the road. Mm-hmm. At Nebraska, which is not good, but it's on the road. Win a game on the road against somebody, and, less, and we'll see. I just think the bar is so low for IU football that you're right. Are they taking candy from babies? Yes. And if they beat a bad Northwestern team at home and a bad Maryland team and a banged up Purdue team and they get to seven and five, can you have a winning record without really beating anybody? Yes, you can. But Indiana's been fumbling away the candy back to the baby for a hundred years. Oh yeah. You know, so I I just think for me, style points and all of that for IU football, I I just don't even kind of view it like that. If if you just get to, it's not how you do it. It's just how many, if if they got to seven and five, this season would be a smashing success in my opinion. No question. No, no. To me, six and getting a bowl game is, I mean, that's the minimum. I mean, you you simply with the schedule they have and the, and the way the teams look, you you simply have to get to six. You have to. I think seven means you did something. You either beat somebody on the road, Maryland or Nebraska, beating Northwestern. I don't care how banged, they up, banged up they are. That's that is a historically very good Big Ten team. Mm-hmm. Beating Purdue, winning that rivalry in this state, that'll be a big deal. If they get to seven, they will have done something, and I think seven and five would be a great record for them. And it'd be great for them to win a bowl game for the first time in thirty years because I think it's ninety one is the last time they've won. It's by far the largest, uh, the longest bowl drought in a Power Five league. Well, and Lord knows the bowl games at the level that that Purdue has gone in the last couple of years, the level that IU is probably going to go. I mean, you're playing another team that you know could be the 58th best team in America. You yeah. know, you're not you're not playing anybody. No. I mean, you're playing somebody who who can you know put two feet in front of the other without tripping. But you're not playing. I mean, you're not playing Ohio State. You're playing yourself essentially. I mean, you the, are. The, usually, it's it's peer versus peer in these games, and someone has to win, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, someone has to win, so go win. Purdue, meanwhile, uh, gets a win. Um, really young roster. They scored 40 points, Greg, and every single touchdown they scored was either thrown, caught, or run in by a freshman player, which I thought was a, a good indication of where Purdue is right now, where there's so much young talent, they're just not ready yet to be a, a great football team. Yeah, you can look at, and you can look at IU too, with Penix being young, Stevie Scott just a sophomore, you can look at them the same way, but Purdue, you look at them and you and you say, clearly their best years are ahead of them. Clearly, and Brahm has shown that he's going to stay. So clearly they've got something going, and he, he just got a big-time recruit, I think out of Michigan, <clears throat> last week. So he's still racking it up on the recruiting trail. And I mean, he is showing. They haven't gotten a quarterback yet, but they've they've got to. I mean, David Blau's a pro right now. Mm-hmm. Nobody really saw that coming four years ago when Daryl Hazel was coaching him. He's a pro. Sindelar's the guy that was leading the country in yards after two games before he got hurt. And then Jack Plummer, who we have not, nobody saw. I mean, he threw for four hundred yards. Yeah. So he's going to get that quarterback recruit someday. He's going to get that guy in the next year or two. And then all bets are off for how good they might be. Yeah, because got Bell and Rondell Moore and Daru at running back, Milton, Milton Wright. Wright. I mean, you know, I'm this, so happy the skill position is crazy. And David Bell, so happy for that guy. He he gets hurt all the time and has been hurt all the time. And and he's our guy. He's our local guy. And I I am absolutely a homer for local guys. I love David Bell and I want him to be a pro. And I've been calling him a pro on Twitter for like three years. I just could see that coming because it's pretty obvious when he, the guy's a sophomore and he's six two two ten. He'll be a pro. So I'm real happy that it's turning out the way it ought to turn out for him. David Bell is the kind of guy that you could make up a sport and he would immediately be, win at that sport, or you could, you know, he he would succeed at anything that he does. I, I feel like he's just a winner. If he had stayed healthy as a senior, he'd have been a legit Mr. Basketball candidate for averaging 13 a game because he would average 13, nine, and seven would have been the best, you know, the leader and I mean uh, the best defender. I mean, he he might have won Mr. Basketball and finished 98th in the state in scoring. I mean, he's yeah. just that good at everything he does. Uh, let's get over to the LeBron stuff because you're writing about it. Uh, maybe by the time this post, it'll be up. IndyStar.com, also on the IndyStar app. Um, 
LeBron's comments from last night, your your initial reaction to those? Well, it, it's it's more the it, it's what it represents for the whole league. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm down on LeBron. I've written I don't know half of it or a little bit more than half of it. I'll go back and finish later. But uh, I'm down on LeBron. But I'm down on the whole damn league. Adam Silver, Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, all these guys that have been. And to be very clear, and I'm doing this in the story too, is that that politically speaking, I nod my head when they speak. You know, I'm mm-hmm. this is not a I am not a right wing guy jumping on them for how dare you speak up for black lives matter but you don't speak up for china i'm not being an opportunist i'm on typically their side but i'm upset at them and disappointed in them and ashamed of myself for not knowing what the hell was happening in china i mean i know china sucks i've known i mean we all know china sucks i didn't know about the damn concentration camps they had for muslim turks didn't know about that Mm. i should have shame on me as i write you know god help me i didn't know until all this and maybe they don't know but if you don't know, sit this one out, LeBron. Adam Silver, I know he knows. I'm just so disgusted this league has been so built on social awareness and social justice. But now it's very clear what's going on. If it doesn't hurt their wallet, they've got great principles. They'll even go after President Trump, whatever. Because you're really you're playing to the you're playing to your crowd. You're not if you're an NFL player, you're not playing to your crowd. Mm-hmm. NBA, you're playing to your crowd. And, and actually, going after China would play to your crowd too. The problem is China has. I've heard and read that China, if China pulls out all of its support of the of the NBA, the salary cap might go down 10, 15 percent. Yeah. And, you know, principles are really easy when there's no money on the table. You're right. And I'm just disgusted by the fact that these guys that I thought got it, and they get it when it's easy for them, and I know they mean it. They get they mean it with Black Lives Matter and LGBTQ. They they mean all that stuff. I'm not saying they're fakers, but they don't go the extra they're they're putting money ahead of principles right now and it's hard not to get emotional. And about it's not this. a black and white issue like some of the, you know, you know um, or it is a black and white issue is what I meant. Like there, there's clearly, I think, a, you don't have to be an, an expert on, you know, Chinese politics to know that I think there's a right stance and a wrong stance here. And Maury's tweet is a lot more along the right stance portion of it than the wrong stance. And I just thought LeBron would have been better served just not saying anything. Oh, and, and and taking the criticism for being silent than saying the wrong thing. I've said about LeBron so many times, so many different shows over the years, that guy, he's – and people probably think I'm going the wrong way and I'm not, but he is so athletically gifted. He's so special. I mean, he is a – I mean, we've never seen him like him. I mean, he is as special as it gets. And intellectually speaking, pregnant pause, because I, I think you know where I'm not going, um, that guy's as smart as I've seen also. Um and as a mouthful, I realize that. But I've, I mean, he has personally blown me up in a press conference. Blew me up. But I see him all the time. The way I look at intelligence, it's not about education. Sorry, all you doctors out there. I know Derek has a lot of doctors listen to him and me, I guess. But um, <laughs> yeah. intelligence is not education. It, I mean, if you have a 4.0, then you're probably pretty intelligent. But intelligence is how fast is your brain assimilating information and coming back with more? How fast does that brain work? LeBron's brain's moving. Mm-hmm. It's fast. And yet... He allowed himself to do the taking my talents to South Beach thing on national television, holding up the Boys and Girls Club as a human shield so people wouldn't get mad at him for leaving Cleveland on live. No one knew he was leaving Cleveland. Mm -hmm. That was I I couldn't believe someone that smart did that. And now this, I can't believe someone that smart is so so blatantly exposing himself as a coward. I don't understand it. I'm so disappointed. He had a week to think about it, Greg. Oh. And that's what he came with? Like you, Not that I would give him a total pass, but if he would have said that last Tuesday when this was really burning white hot, then maybe he'd be like, okay, heat of the moment, he misspoke, whatever. He had a week to sit on it and to come out and your reaction be, well, Daryl Morey's you know, misinformed. And he's he's got to know not to send that tweet. I mean, come on. 
Yeah, I, and the thing is, is that, and I'm I'm going to lump myself in there too. I didn't know about the concentration camps, and that's not what Daryl Moore was tweeting about. He's tweeting about Hong Kong and different, but still, I didn't know just how. I mean, I'm just cherry picking the worst thing I can think of with China. There's a million of them that I don't know about, but that's the thing is, I know there's a million things wrong with China that I don't even know about, but I know enough to know they're there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you don't support China ever. You don't. You don't regret that Dale Mori spoke his mind up. You don't allow China to just bully you when you're in their country. We should have pulled out and flew out of there right away. Like, the hell with you. You want to take your money and go home? Take your money and go home. We're better than this. For about a week, we've not been better than this. And I'm just disgusted by that. Because China, again, whether you know the details in China or not, and I, I'm admitting I didn't know some of these details, it doesn't, you don't need to know the details. It's China, for God's sake. Yeah. We know they're doing something sh- crappy over there (laughs) and it's just a shame greg because now you give ammo to the people that had been critical of the nba being real vocal about the let's say the north carolina bathroom law or lgbt rights or police brutality which i think and and look your politics if you're listening this may not line up with mine i personally think those were the correct stances for the nba to take but now you're going to view it in a different prism whenever they do something that is right because people are going to be saying, "Wait a minute, who's who's uh, cashing the check here? Who's who's paying the money for this?" And I'm and I'm saying what I'm saying to you, and you're saying it to me too. But I'm writing what I write, and once I write it, you know, Google's never going to forget. And it's going in some ways, this is going to hurt me because I'm people are going to misunderstand it. They're going to see my tweet, tweeting out the story, then I'm going to read the damn story. It's going to hurt me. People are going to say, "Oh, so you, I mean, some people. It's not going to hurt me with others, but some people are going to say, "Wow, you're you're on the same side with Trump now. You're calling out LeBron. You're calling out Kerr. It's going to hurt me in in, in some people's eyes." But I'm willing to write this because I got I got to say it. I'm not I'm not the bravest man on earth. I've, I've I've not written a lot of stuff probably over the years. But but you got to have principles, and I just can't believe what they're doing. And I'm not going to make their mistake and just sit on it. Yeah, and I don't think that it's a right left issue. I don't. I no. I, I understand that conservatives especially are are po'd about this, but I don't think it's a right left thing. I think there are a lot of people that line up politically with Kerr and Popovich and LeBron on most things that are really disappointed in either the non-response like from Steve Kerr or the response from LeBron. Well, I don't care who you're voting for in the 2020 election. Whoever you are out there listening, you hate China too. Like we're united. This is a country isn't united by much, but we're united that we're all repulsed by what China does. We all know that. And for the NBA to not be repulsed right now and to let China push them around, mind-boggling. Check out Greg's column. Check out all of his columns. IndyStar.com and the IndyStar app. Also, Colts and Texans. We'll have lots to talk about on the podcast next week. Should be a juicy matchup coming up here on Sunday. Have a good week, my man. Thanks. Thanks, Derek. See you.